When I was in college and as a young adult, I spent a lot of time in Joshua Tree National Park. It was in the middle of a desert and it was inhabited by these really cool trees. They were called Joshua Trees. Maybe you have seen them or know of the band, the, the you know little known band U2, who uh, made the Joshua Tree itself more famous to anyone who is not familiar with the area. But that's very near where I grew up, so I spent a lot of time there. And it was, in fact, a desert strewn with these enormous boulders that looked like God had just kind of taken some tiny pebbles to him. To us, they were enormous boulders and just taken them and strewn them about everywhere. And, of course, we liked to go rock climbing on these. It was really fun to do and both camp there and look up at the stars at night and experience the creation and the glory of God through the beauty of his nature that, that he had provided. And it was a really, really a great experience just being in creation and recognizing the work of God's hand and how big God really is. But the one thing that Joshua Tree did not have a lot of was water. My name is Matt Odegaard. This is Church Public. Thanks for being with us today. If you haven't already, you can check out churchpublic.com. You can check out this video on YouTube. If you are listening to just the audio, search Church Public as one word. And of course, you can connect with me on social media at Church Public. So the one thing that Joshua Tree did not have any of, basically, was water. And it's been many years for me since spending a lot of time there but I, I read a lot, and I, I read a lot of things. I read through the Bible in a year, every year, because I just want to know what God has, and what God has for me, and what God has for my mission, and what God has for this world, because I think it's important for us to understand, as we follow after God, what God is doing, and what God is doing in your life, and what God is doing in my life. And so I read uh, the Bible, and I read books about the Bible, and I um, I read lots of different devotionals and and commentaries and theological material and things like that. And um, what I want to start with in this picture of Joshua Tree that I've painted for you, and maybe you've been to the desert. I happen to live in a place right now where it rains almost every day, which is the exact opposite of a desert, but you've been in that desert, either figuratively or literally, right? I was literally in this desert and there just was no water. We had to bring all of our water in or else there was no water. So I'm reading Isaiah. And as I'm reading through Isaiah, you come to chapter 35, which is actually all about Jesus, which is a fantastic chapter in Isaiah, uh, if you if you want to read that later. And it begins with the statement, the desert and the parched land will be glad and the wilderness will rejoice and blossom. So we're talking about the desert. And again, I have all these memories about being in the desert and there is no water in the desert. Sometimes it rains. I've actually even been there when it snows, but, but that is very rare, right? Mostly it's just desert and there's no water. So you get to this verse, which is verse six and seven. And... Isaiah says, water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams will appear in the desert and the burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. So that's hard to picture if you've ever been in the desert. Again, I don't live in a desert right now. I live in this really almost swampy place where it just rains and rains and rains all the time. But if you're in that desert, you know, you're thirsty, you're thirsty. And the ground is thirsty and the world is thirsty. And these Joshua trees actually were amazing because they even grew there in the first place with no water almost, right? 
And yet God is saying, hey, there's going to be a time and a place. And of course, he's talking about Jesus there, but there's going to be a time and a place where water comes out of the wilderness. So I, I always get this question about, you know, where do I start and where do I do devotionals? And for some people, the size of this Bible is overwhelming. And then as they've learned in school, many people start in the Bible at the beginning and, um, and you start reading and then you end up in Deuteronomy or Leviticus and you just tap out because let's just say it's not the most interesting or exciting reading for some of those parts. I, I'm just saying to some, maybe to you, you love it, but to some, it's, it's not as exciting. Uh, so many people don't know how to read the Bible. If you don't, and if you're looking for something and some other kind of devotional, I actually have had this book, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers, for a long, long time, and uh, and he predates me by a long time. I mean, he was born. I wrote it down here. He was born in 1874. That's quite a bit before uh, before I was born, and and before you know this period of time that we're talking about now. And yet, this book is a great devotional because it helps you find passages, and he really does a great job. This was put together, I believe, by his wife. Um, it really does a great job of bringing you into the heart of God and the kingdom of God. And it's great starting points. It's not very deep, but it gives you a reading for every single day, which is really easy um, when you don't know where to start in the vast expanse of the full Bible. And then maybe it'll lead you into something else. So actually yesterday I was reading, it's July 6th reading. Again, every day is numbered. And July 6th, was this Isaiah 35 passage. So immediately I was thinking about the times I'd spent in the desert and and the quote at the beginning of this, I'm just going to read some of this to you, says that the parched ground shall become a pool. The parched ground shall become a pool. So again, maybe you've been in a real desert and you know that there's no water around and you're really thirsty. Maybe you were just in a desert in your heart and maybe this is a season and I've been through seasons like that um, and... It's hard to it's hard to walk through. It's hard to know what God is doing. It's hard to know where God is taking you. And I can really relate to that. Maybe you can relate to that too. Maybe we all want this mountaintop experience where you're standing on top of the mountain and you can see everything and you can see all the trails and you know the direction you're supposed to go and it's very clear, but maybe you're in a desert waiting for this, waiting for that moment when God brings the rain, um, when God brings the sign of life, which is in the desert, that water. Chambers says, we always have a vision of something before it actually becomes real. When we realize the vision is real, but not yet real in us, Satan comes with his temptations and we're inclined to say, there's no point in even trying to continue. Instead of the vision becoming real to us, we've entered into a valley of humiliation. Maybe you're in that valley of humiliation. Maybe you're in that place where you just don't feel like that idea that God gave you. Maybe you don't feel like that vision that God has given you is going to come to anything. I definitely feel that way sometimes, even with this, even with this little podcast that I put together. I definitely have moments where I think, God, 
am I really doing the right thing? Is this what I'm supposed to do? And you get into that valley where Satan just beats you up and says, no, of course you aren't supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do anything. You're just supposed to sit around and do nothing because that's what Satan does. He accuses you, he lies to you, he beats you up when you're in that place, when you are low. And God wants to say to you, don't let him do that. And here's some great encouragement from God through Chambers. He gives this little uh, metaphor. This is about, it, it's about uh, being shaped into something. He says, life is not as idle ore, but iron dug from central gloom and battered by the shocks of doom to shape and use. The picture here, if you don't get that, is you have this iron ore. And if you've ever seen or held or, or, or grabbed an iron ore, it's just this rock. It's just a rock. It doesn't really do anything. It doesn't mean anything. But in the right hands, with the right tools, it can become something incredibly useful. It can become a tool itself. It can become a sword. It can become a plow. It can become all kinds of things. Um, but it has to be formed and shaped. And that process is severe sometimes. God, this is reading from Chambers again, God gives us a vision, then he takes us down into the valley to batter us into the shape of that vision. Do you feel that? Do you get that? Like we are the that piece of iron that needs to be shaped into whatever tool God wants to use. And you are that. I want you to be very clear in what God is saying here. You are that tool. That's That goes to Ephesians 2. You are God's workmanship. God created you and then is making you into this thing that Ephesians, that Paul says in Ephesians, you were created in advance to do. Those things he has works for you to do, but sometimes we have to be shaped into this thing. And if I'm speaking honestly, if you are, are, are admitting it to yourself, that doesn't always feel good. It doesn't feel good to be shaped. We just want things to come easy. We are a society of easy things. Turn on the TV and stream for 20 hours. Turn on your phone and have the food delivered to your house. Have the groceries delivered to your house. Have everything delivered to your house. Everything is easy and it doesn't take work and it doesn't take energy and it doesn't take effort. But with God, sometimes things take energy and effort and it's actually a good time because then we become what God has created us to be. Oswald Chambers goes on to say, it is in the valley that so many of us give up and faint. Do you feel that way today? I know I have felt that way. Sometimes you just want to bail out. It's too hard. It's too hard to follow God. It's too hard to follow this dream, this vision that God has given you to grow you into something that he wants to grow you into. How do you feel about that today? Take an assessment and figure out, like, are you giving up or are you ready to press on? Just think of the enormous time that God has. Chambers says, every God-given vision will become real if we only have patience. I can admit, <clears throat> patience is not my number one characteristic. Maybe you can agree with me a little bit in this. I, I just don't love waiting. I don't love having patience. That's just one of the rough spots of my life. Maybe yours too. And yet, Chambers reminds us, Think of the enormous amount of free time that God has. Oh, that's a humbling statement right there. God has all the time. 
I don't feel like I have all the time. I feel like I have to get it done today. I feel like I have to get it done now. I'm dealing with a back injury right now. And honestly, I didn't even want to do this today because I'm in a little bit of pain and I'd rather lay on the couch <laughs> just based on the pain. And yet sometimes that grows you into something that is better and greater than you were before. Chambers says, God is never in a hurry and we are always in such a frantic hurry. Maybe you can feel that. While we are in the light of the glory of the vision, we go right out to do things, but the vision is not yet real in us. God has to take us in the valley, put us through, hear this, put us through the fires and the floods to batter us into shape until we get to the point where he can trust us with the reality of his vision. I'll keep going. Ever since God gave us the vision, he's been at work. He is getting us into the shape of the goal he has for us. And yet, over and over again, we try to escape the sculptor's hands. Does that feel familiar? Do you feel that pressure pushing you out and all you want to do is run from it? Yeah, we feel that, right? Yet, God is at work. He is getting us into the shape of the goal he has for us. And over and over again, we try to escape from his hand in order to better ourselves into the shape of our own goal. Ooh, does that sting a little bit? It does for me. I know I have plans, I have ideas, and I want to do my own goals rather than wait for God to do it in his best. And yet, over and over again, this is not just Chambers talking, but almost every writer in the scriptures note that when you do it on God's time, it's always better. Think of people like Jonah who didn't want to do what God wanted to do and wanted to do his own way. That didn't work out super well for him. Think about Abraham, who did have to wait for years and years and years to have the child that God had promised, and then who had to go and go and go until God showed him the land. I mean, his command was, go into the land that I will show you. That's something that I feel like, having done a big move lately, I feel like I'm living in a season kind of like that. I don't yet, I, I know that God has given me a thing. I know that God is sending me in a direction, but I don't yet have the full vision of what God is doing. Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like God has not yet shown you the fullness and yet you have this idea, this drive, this desire. And God is reminding you through the prophet Isaiah to not give up on God. I'll read a little bit more. The vision that God gives is not some unattainable, unattainable castle in the sky, but a vision God wants you to be down here on earth. Did you get that? Did you understand that? That's a really big thing that over the course of my life I've heard said not correctly a lot. In other words, I've heard you get saved and you get ready for heaven. What Paul says in Ephesians, the works for you to do here, what Chambers is saying, what Isaiah is saying is God has work for you to do and God wants to create you into what he has designed so that you can best be used by God on this earth right now. There are people that you are the only one who is going to be able to reach and to teach and to disciple and to share Jesus with. I will never know those people, never. I may never meet them. That's why God created you with your special gifts and your special abilities. But sometimes we have to shave off our rough edges or God has to shave off those rough edges. And in order to do that, sometimes it's not very pleasant for us. And yet, when God does that and we get into the shape, just like, just like a bodybuilder or just like an athlete, when we get into the shape that we're supposed to be in, 
through the discipline, through the discipline of reading, through praying, through being in God's presence day after day after day, God can use us in ways we never thought possible to do things that only God can do. I'll read just a little bit more. Allow the potter to put you on his wheel and whirl you around as he desires. Then surely as God is God and you are you, you will turn out an exact likeness of the vision. But don't lose heart in the process. So, I, I mean, I, I took a pottery class in high school as well. Maybe you've taken a pottery class and you know this crazy spinning wheel thing that goes around. We, we didn't have the electric one, so you had to do the foot one. I don't know if you've ever done the foot one, but you put the clay on this wheel and then you spin it and you shape it into what you need to shape it into. Allow God to shape you into the person you want to be. That's hard. That's hard for us. It's hard for us as a society when we want everything we want right now and we have access to it through all the internet and all the technology and everything. It's hard for us to slow down long enough to let God do something, which is probably why I'm dealing with a back injury that's requiring me to slow down right now because I have trouble slowing down. And God wants us to let him shape us. Yes, we need to be involved in the process. Yes, we need to be obedient to God and follow after God and do the things that God wants us to do. We need to practice the discipline of spending time with God. Yes, but we have to wait on the Lord, um, just like the psalmist says, wait on the Lord as he renews your strength. There are times when you cannot be the one to get that strength. It has to come from somewhere else. It has to come from God. He's the only source outside of yourself that can really give you what you need. And the amazing thing is, he's promised to do that for you. He has promised to do that for you. So um, I hope that you're able to wait on the Lord. There's a lot of news out there, and we'll get to the news later, but as I was processing and trying to slow down myself, these are the things that, that God brought to my mind, and because this is where I am, and this is what I live, and this is what I do at the moment, I thought I would share as well, in the hopes that, in the prayer that, this may help one of you out there as well. I think God wants to do something great in your life. God wants to do something great with your life. That's the beauty of it. That's what Paul tells us. That's what Jesus tells us. Um, and especially through the prophet Isaiah, as we read today, there's so many places that you can go to hear how much God believes in you, how much God wants to work in you and wants you to be better and more effective than you could ever be on your own. And maybe you're dealing with loneliness and hurt and hopelessness and God wants to be your hope and your peace and your comfort through those times. And this life can be incredibly hard, but God has something for you that's even better. So I hope and I pray that you allow him to meet you in this time. And open up your Bible today if you haven't done it already and find a place. I suggest starting with the Gospels if you don't know where to start. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Any of those are great. John is probably the easiest to read um, and a great story about who Jesus is. But the letters that Paul writes are fantastic, which follow after Acts um, and Romans. And Anyway, I, I don't mean to get into all the different things. There's, there's so many different places to start. I do love the Old Testament as well. I don't mean to downplay it. As I mentioned, I do read through it every year as well. And it has so much to teach us. I'm reading from Isaiah today. 
But sometimes if you don't understand all the prophet stuff and all of the different Judaic law things, it can be a little cumbersome. And I get that. So get a good study Bible that gives you all of the information on the sides or read it online with some kind of easy to read online commentary. There's so many tools that we have available. I think the only thing that gets in our way is ourselves and our busyness. So I just wanted to share this with you. And, and my utmost for his highest, Oswald Chambers, you can get the book. I have the paper book because sometimes it's just nice to hold something and I have lots of scribbles in mine. Um, you can also get it online. All of his stuff is online. It even automatically goes to the day of the year that you're on when you go to the website. I, I this is, I, I'm in no way vested in this, but I, I just have, been reading that particular one on and off for a couple decades and um actually more than a couple anyway long time and it's still really good it's still really effective and god used him in his lifetime and beyond and that's the kind of thing that i want to point to today that you have in you god wants to use you in a way that goes beyond who knows into your family into your kids into your friends into your workplace you have no idea who is around you that God may want to reach through you today, this week, this year, in your lifetime. But if you pour in and allow God to shape you and mold you, even through those hard times, God will be able to use you in someone else's life and hopefully, as we pray through, bring them to a relationship with Jesus. That's, that is my goal um, uh, with the relationships that I have. Hopefully that's your goal as we love God and as we love one another. Um, through the power and strength of Jesus and the Spirit. So, God bless you, and as always, I hope that you keep the faith.